Welcome to the We Talk Careers podcast brought to you by Women in ETFs. This is Christine Delano, and I'm thrilled you've joined me. Twice a month, we'll meet an amazing executive who'll share a story about her career and give us some great insight into her success. So if you are pursuing excellence in your own career or intrigued by the hustle required for a career on Wall Street, this podcast is for you. If you haven't yet, please take a moment to subscribe. Survival is essential. Success is great. But what does it mean to thrive? We've compiled the most popular and compelling advice from our guests and created a Thrive Guide with a workbook on leadership skills such as clarifying your vision and growing your influence. You can grab it at christinedelano.com. To find out more about our show and our guests, I invite you to follow me on Instagram. All these links will be in the show notes. So put aside that massive to-do list and let's get inspired. In this episode, we are talking to Rebecca Sin about having hard conversations. How do you address difficult topics with challenging people in the workplace? Rebecca Sin is an ETF analyst at Bloomberg in Hong Kong. She recently won a Bloomberg Intelligence 2021 award for her ETF research. She was previously head of equities Asia Pacific at TradeWeb and head of Commerce Bank ETF sales and trading for Asia Pacific. She enjoys educating clients and driving the growth of her business. Over her career, she has resided in London, Tokyo, and Hong Kong, and has experience working as a portfolio manager, market maker, and synthetic equity trader. Rebecca earned a BS in mechanical engineering from Brigham Young University. Rebecca is the co-chair of We Asia Pacific and is passionate about gender diversity and equality. In her spare time, she enjoys playing football and cooking, and she's a Paris Culinary School certified cuisine and pastry chef. Delicious. I am pleased to welcome Rebecca Sin to the We Talk Careers podcast. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on. I am so happy to have you on, and thank you for joining all the way from Hong Kong. I know we're 12 hours apart, so that's fun to get all of our schedules aligned to do it, and I really appreciate you taking the time. So today we're talking about having hard conversations. How do we prepare for them? How do we navigate once we're in them? So Rebecca, can you kick this off? Can you tell us about a time you've had a pretty hard conversation. Take us back. What, what was that like? So I've had many hard conversations with bosses throughout the year, whether that be asking for a pay rise, promotional, personal needs. And what I've learned from all of these experiences is that you always need to be honest with yourself and what you want and be persistent. And so for all of us, we've all had different hard conversations with our bosses and it ranges depending on where you are in your career, where you are in your personal life and what you're trying to achieve. And I think everyone can share either a funny, bad or sad outcome of how it went. Um, and the thing I would say is that make sure you plan for these conversations and don't give up hope if it doesn't go as you plan. Absolutely. Absolutely. So does a specific conversation come to mind? I've had a lot of hard conversations. Some of them, you know, turned out really positive where I needed to ask for some time off, for instance. Some of them were more challenging where, for instance, I wanted a raise in salary. And I think depending on the boss and the situation, the outcome is always different depending 
on what you're looking for. Very true. Very true. I remember having to give feedback on a project to one of my direct reports and he had just really missed the mark and done it somewhat publicly. And so I had this conversation and then I had lunch that day with a friend, ended up she worked for a competing firm. And I told her a little bit about what the conversation had been like and things like that. And she's like, wow, that must have been hard. And it was funny because I was like, huh, for me, it was rather straightforward you know, it was kind of a straightforward conversation to be had because for me, he was fully capable. The next step was really very straightforward in what he needed to do. And it all was within his power to change. And I believed in him. I I knew he had the capabilities to do it. So I always feel like hard conversations is when there's an element of kind of out of the control. Like there are circumstances or people that we can't control. We can't sort of guarantee the next step is going to find success. So how about for you? How do you define having a hard conversation? I think hard conversations can be defined by anything that affects you personally or that you feel very passionately about. So for instance, from a business perspective, it can be a promotion, it can be salary related, it can be bonus, career goals, challenges, expectations, strategic discussions, and even resignation. From a personal perspective, it can be family challenges, goals, or desires that you have. And so when you consider hard conversations, some are easier to have than others. So it really depends on the individual. And I think like you were saying, you know, something that you consider hard when you were telling that story to your friend, they're like, oh, that doesn't sound very hard. And so it depends on the person. Absolutely. And I think for me, what defines hard is when there is that element of something that's out of control. Like there are pieces that, you know, for example, had he not done a good job because someone, you know, had changed the rules on him, that to me would have been a hard conversation because he would have had to accept responsibility for something that was sort of out of his control. For me, it was easier because it was straightforward. I believed in him. I knew he could do a good job. So therefore, we were just going to kind of lay out out very quickly the pieces that needed to change. And as um, I think it was Laura Morrison in episode 12 talked about having a sandwich method where you sort of start with the good news, you know, like this is what's going well, sort of give the more critical feedback and then end with the next step. Um, I think that sometimes helps with more straightforward, hard conversations. But take us through, you know, some of these conversations, like you mentioned, with asking for a raise or a promotion or needing some time off, or maybe there's a change in a culture or there's a different value alignment and there's some injustice that you need to address. Tell me how you go about preparing for a hard conversation. So I think there's lots of steps you should take to prepare for it. First is you have to be honest with yourself. What are you trying to achieve? I think Nelson Mandela said it really well. The first thing is to be honest with yourself. You can never have an impact on society if you're not changed yourself. And so you need to determine what is it that you're trying to achieve and what it is that you want. The second Mm. thing I would say is to be practical. For instance, if you want to raise, you need to be realistic. You're unlikely to get a 50% increase. And so you need (laughs) to be practical with what you're trying to achieve. 
I think that's a great point. And I want to circle back to the first one with be honest with yourself. I actually was talking to my 20-year-old daughter last night. She was going through a number of things. She's finishing up her first year of college. And, you know, it's just, it's emotional. There's there's a lot going on. She's such an amazing young woman. But I, I think sometimes when you're honest with yourself, you really do need to understand are you having an emotional response? Like, do you need to take a moment before you have this hard conversation? Or is it, you know, is, are you already at the point of being able to be practical? So I think I love your first step with being honest with yourself is what are you trying to achieve? And are you in the right frame of mind in this moment to have this conversation, right? I think that's definitely very important, especially for a lot of these hard conversations. You're often very emotional about it. And so trying to look at it from a different perspective or even saying being prepared, for instance, you know, if you're trying to go to your boss to ask for a promotion or ask for a raise, you know, it always helps to be prepared because you don't want to come off as being emotional. And so, for instance, you know, come with stats, do your due diligence, market intels, do your homework beforehand. Excellent. So your second one was to be practical. And to me, the question is always, you know, what is the goal? Like, what specifically are you looking for? And, you know, sometimes that to me can require writing it down. It can sometimes demand that you go and talk to someone first, you know, and sort of work things out before you actually have the harder conversation with the person that can, you know, ultimately make the decision or or make the change. So those are the first two. Take us through um, some of the rest. So some of the rest I'd say is be patient. Sometimes it takes time to get everything lined up. So for instance, if you're trying to get promoted, usually companies have a procedures in place. And so, you know, there's an application process, there's a review process. So be patient and understand the process. The fourth one I alluded to earlier was, you know, being prepared. I think Benjamin Franklin said it very well. By failing to prepare, you are prepared to fail. And so make Mm. sure you do your homework and due diligence before that. I think that's excellent. So circling back just a second for being patient, to me, sometimes that also means understanding what are the milestones that you can break it up into. So, you know, it might not be that you can ask for the full piece yet. Um, And I know we've had a number of amazing stories. I know Diana Tidd in episode 11 talked about being a leader of a smaller team before you're offered, you know, the leader of the larger team. So sort of knowing where you're wanting to go, but sort of breaking it up into more chunk goals that are more accessible to, um, to leaders in your company is important. I love the idea of being prepared. You know, you have your stats, you've done your due diligence, you know, the pieces of the marketplace, you know, you're better prepared. And also you're probably gaining a better perspective on what the problem is. And to me, this one really drills into what is the type of conversation you're having? You know, if there is an injustice, being prepared is really important to help change the mindset of the people you're speaking with. Do you find that? Yeah, I definitely find that being prepared helps, especially if you can prove it from a quantitative perspective. So for instance, if you're asking for a salary rise and you can say, you know, these X people within the company get X, then they're able to quantify it and see it. And so it takes the emotions out of it and makes it more about the numbers and the stats because people are less likely to argue with numbers than they are with your emotions. Like if you go in, you know, I feel like I'm getting paid less, for instance, Mm, it's going to be hard to argue that. Right. Absolutely. So take us through um, a couple of the others. So another thing I would say is 
don't give up. If you feel strongly about it, speak up and keep trying. If it doesn't work the first time, it doesn't hurt to ask again. And I think Michelle Obama said this really well. She says, don't be afraid to fail. Because we think we have to be right, we think we have to be perfect, we think we can't stumble. And the only way you succeed in life, the only way you learn is by failing. And it's not the failure, it's what you do after you fail. And so I know a lot of times I've had hard conversations with my bosses and I prepared, I did the due diligence, I was practical, I tried to time it. And in the end, I still didn't get the result I want. But then I kept trying and it may not have happened the second time or the third time, but maybe the fifth or the sixth time, you know, my boss eventually gave in and was like, you know, I think that's a good idea. I think you should proceed with it. And so, you know, don't give up if you don't get what you want right away. Mm, absolutely. And in order to not give up, you also need to be positive, right? You know, and, and you have to continue to, you know, have an attitude that makes you approachable. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And that is kind of my last point of how you need to be positive. It's often very easy to get frustrated by the process or the system. And so staying positive makes a huge difference on your attitude. And it can really turn the outcome, I would say. Mm, absolutely. So, Circling back a little bit on the don't give up, I want to make this quite practical for our listeners here. We had a great conversation with Laura Morrison on sort of cultural fit and diagnosing corporate culture. And I think sometimes you do need to sort of recognize in the don't give up, when is time to sort of move on? So recognizing that, you know, if you are looking for that next step in your career and you aren't in a place that sort of supports you and you realize that when you look up and down the food chain and you look across at your colleagues, you don't have people that maybe have your back and are as invested in corporate success and your own corporate goals. Maybe there are times where you need to look for opportunities outside of where you're currently at. So on the don't give up, is there a place where, you know, you start to sort of take a step back and say, okay, am I in the right place or am I at the right time to be pressing on the issue that I'm pressing? So I think that's a great question. And I would say I learned this later on in my career. And I have a story that goes with this. So I was in a management meeting once and I was the only female in the room and we were discussing an upcoming event that we were hosting. And I suggested that we should have more female speakers at our event. And a colleague of mine said, do you honestly think our clients want to hear a woman speak? And what? when he said that to me, I was completely shocked. And I was like, are you serious? So I didn't say anything because I wanted to, you know, see if my colleagues would say anything and what their reactions were. And so after my colleague had said that, I realized that, you know, this was not the right organization for me. And I think going back to your point is that, you know, you need to find, sometimes you can try your very best, but sometimes it just may not be a right fit for you. And so after that incident, you know, I realized that maybe I should look to work somewhere else, um, mm. you know, look for an organization that may be more diverse or maybe, you know, values diversity inclusion a little bit more. And so I think, you know, you need to be practical in what you want and you need to, you know, do all the things, be honest with yourself, be practical, be patient, be prepared, um, you know, don't give up. But then at the end, you know, sometimes it's not the right fit for what you're trying to achieve. And so, you know, you do need to move on and, you know, see if there's a, other opportunities out there. 
Absolutely. Wow. What, what a blatant, um, hard um, and difficult situation to be in. So in that case, did any of the colleagues speak up when he said, you know, do you honestly think our clients want to hear a woman speak? Was there anyone who spoke up at that point? So I was surprised because most of the colleagues in the room had daughters and no one really said anything. And when I went to speak to them one-on-one afterwards, I was like, you know, why didn't you say anything? You know, a lot of them were like, oh, I didn't want to get involved in the politics between, you know, that manager. Um, Mm. Or, you know, he's just joking. Don't take it seriously. Um, Or Mm. one of them were like, you know, he has daughters of himself. He would never say that. He's just, you know, messing around. And so a Mm. lot of them, you know, were like, oh, don't worry about it. Just brush it off. And you know, after the person had said that, you know, I went back to them afterwards. I was like, do you seriously feel about that? And then, you know, he didn't say anything. And so I think what I learned from that experience is that you need to really find the right organization or manager for you and don't give up on your principles. Like if you feel strongly about something, go for it. So for instance, just this week, Bloomberg Intelligence partnered up with Women in ETFs and we did our first Asia Pacific webinar that was three hours long. And we had 60% female speakers on our panel across the world. And so we had speakers from Australia all the way to the US. And so, you know, you need to find the right organization that fits for what you believe in and to stay positive and don't give up. Absolutely. I love that, Rebecca. Thank you for that. And I do think that this is a quite a nuanced um, challenge that we have before us sometimes. Do you stay and do you become the agent of change? Can you find some like-minded folks in your organization that can help you drive the organization to either, you know, a better culture, a better diversity representation, a better stand on social justice, whatever the case may be in terms of what your belief system is. When do you stay and when do you recognize that the organization is not in a place currently or in any sort of, you know, shorter time frame to get where it needs to be and that you are only going to be frustrated in staying. And I think that is quite a difficult thing to navigate through sometimes. So I think in this case, what you did where you went back and you actually spoke to some of your colleagues and, you know, you did sort of that next step of like, help me process what I just heard. And then talking to a mentor and talking to others and helping them, you know, sort of find ways to help you come to a conclusion, like, am I in the right place? Or should I, you know, stay and be that agent of change, I think is going to really depend on the situation you're in. So thank you for bringing that hard conversation up. Because I think it really it does inspire us to assure that we've got people surrounding us that have our back and that can help us navigate those more difficult situations. I think it's definitely very important to be honest with yourself and, you know, to see what you really value. And within any large organizations, you'll always find someone that will support you. So for instance, in that company, because I was so passionate about diversity and inclusion, they had made me the vice chair of the DNI committee in APAC. And overall, the company was very supportive of this. It's just they didn't have the right procedures in place to implement this from the top down. And so, mm. you know, that's why I said be patient. It definitely takes time to implement a lot of these things. 
I, I think that's a that's a great thing to observe that sometimes, you know, certain parts of the corporate culture and the corporate governance system can put pieces and people in place, but it's not going to change overnight. So being part of that process and seeing those kind of changes be gains that that you can continue to ride on to um, better outcomes, I think is so important. So thanks for having that patience, because I do think that, you know, we need to have some patience with our corporate cultures. So what is something you wish you had known about having hard conversations when you were new in your career? What do you wish someone had told you? Something that I realized much later in my career was that you can't time everything. And so I try and time everything. I, I'm super organized and I try and you know make everything happen as I envision. But I realize, especially as you progress in your career and later in life, that not everything will plan the way that you want. And so for instance, I love being organized. I write everything down. And what often happens, especially in your career, is that it just doesn't go as planned. You just have to let things happen naturally. And so, for instance, when I first started my career, I recall having all these goals and aspirations. And the truth is, most of them never came to pass because that's how life is. You know, you can't plan for everything. So I'd say it's good to plan, but don't feel like you failed if it doesn't go exactly as you want. Mm, that's fantastic. I love that advice. And and I also think that as we're planning, sort of giving observation to opportunities before you and being willing to sort of grab them when they come, even if perhaps they're not, you know, in that sort of milestone sheet that you have in front of you as to what you need to do, being ready and willing to take opportunities when they come is is so important. So thank you for that. I think you know, sometimes we're pretty focused on having, you know, five-year, 10-year plans, but rarely, if ever, <laughs> do they work out the way that we think when we're starting out, right? It's great to have a plan, but be flexible. And so be yes. willing to adjust. And I think another thing, now that you've mentioned it, is, you know, when you're talking to your daughter, oftentimes a lot of these conversations we have can be quite emotional. And especially when you're talking about yourself, if you try and look at it, with the emotions removed, like from a third perspective, that may also help as well. Yes. Well, and I, I really appreciate what you're doing for Women in ETFs Asia Pacific. I know we talked to, about this before we got on the air about, you know, all the different um, countries and cities that you have now incorporated into We Asia Pacific. That's so fantastic. I'm just excited about the next generation of leaders that's going to be impacted by having an organization like Women in ETFs um, supporting them. So what advice do you have for that next generation of leaders as you sort of expand the footprint of WE in the Asia Pacific area? So I'd say WE Asia Pacific has grown significantly. We now have chapters in Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan, Sydney, and Melbourne. And so we've almost doubled our headcount in APAC, I'd say for the next generation is really to enjoy the ride. Life doesn't go as expected and nor does your career. You can make changes along the way, but you can't control everything. So accept whatever challenges that come your way, stay positive, be patient, and don't give up on your dream. So if I look at myself, for instance, I would have never thought that I'd be the co-chair of Women in ETFs for APAC. I never had planned for this. It just kind of happened. And so enjoy the ride as you go. 
Oh, love it. Yes. Thank you for that. And as we're enjoying the ride, I think one of the uh, beautiful things about life is being able to be inspired by story and new ways of thinking and thought processes. So take us through what you're reading now. Like what, what would you recommend some of our young leaders read? So what I'm reading right now is called the book called The Leadership Gap by Loli Daskal. And it talks about how there are really different types of leaders. So for instance, there's the rebel, the explorer, the truth teller, the hero, the inventor, the navigator, and the knight. But these leaders do really well. And then for whatever reason, they fail. So for instance, the rebel then becomes the imposter. The explorer then becomes the exploiter. The truth teller becomes the deceiver. And so it's really about how leaders change and how they can change their company. And so I'm not done with the book yet. I'm only about halfway, but it gives you a perspective of how different leaders deal with different situations. Interesting. So how a leader can turn into something that they're not intending, even though they start out with sort of good intentions, the idea of how do you guard yourself um, against turning into what it is that's that's unhealthy? Is is that part of, of what the yeah, book so is looking to do? Yeah, so for instance, like the, the truth teller, it talks about um, a CEO that he's built his whole business on always telling the truth and super successful. But then the problem is after 40 years, his own team members start to not trust him because he pounds on telling the truth so much. And then finally, when he tells the truth about something that happened in the past, the team then comes together. So it goes through how he was initially all about telling the truth and then he changes. And so the book is interesting in that, especially for leaders, they grow through time. You know, the leader that when they were 30 years old is going to be a very different leader when they're 50 or 60 or 70 and Mm. how that leadership changed. And I think it's also very applicable now, especially as we look at the younger generations, millennials, they have a lot of different needs to what say people that started working 10, 20 years ago, for instance, you know, they want more flexibility. They want more family work-life balance. And so how do you accommodate that? Absolutely. Well, thank you for that. I will put a link to the leadership gap and actually look forward to um, looking it up myself, not one that I was familiar with before. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for spending your time with us. Like um, This was a fantastic conversation. I appreciate your candor and your willingness to, to help us sort of break down um, having hard conversations. And this was not thank one of so them. Thank you so much for so having you. me on. Very glad I could join. Absolutely. I really appreciate it. And um, good luck in growing we in the Asia Pacific area. Thank you for doing that as well. Thank you so much. And thank you, our listeners, for spending your time with us. I hope this is not just information, but you let it be transformational in how you think about your career. I'm rooting for you. To find out more about diversity, opportunity, and events in the exchange-traded fund industry, please visit womeninetfs.com. And while it lasts, be sure to grab your Thrive Guide on becoming the leader you want to be. You can download it at, with a K, christinedelano.com. If you haven't subscribed to We Talk Careers podcast, please make sure you do so. And if there's a topic you'd like us to tackle, let us know. All links are in the show notes. Thank you for listening.